0: Since very little is mentioned today concerning apostles in the modern church, is this no longer required for the edification of the body of Christ? Some in today's church state rather emphatically that the fivefold ministry office of the apostle is no longer active, and if it is, the individuals are misleading the church. Others maintain apostles are essential in helping build churches throughout cities, while also engaging the cultures and areas of influence throughout society. Interestingly, after the original 12 was chosen by Jesus, there are many additional examples of the early church adding more. This comes some 20 to 30 years after the resurrection of Jesus, such as Matthias, Barnabas, Apollos, and others. Join us now as we investigate the Apostles. What happened, and where are they today? I am Mark Russick, and you are listening to The Russick Outlook. As always, just my opinion. Hello, good afternoon, everybody. My name is Mark Russick. You're listening to the Russick Outlook. Thank you very much for joining today. Very appreciative of your time. As always, it is my hope and mission to give you information or present information that will help lead you to the truth depending upon the topic that we're talking about. And today, we're going to be breaking down an, an emphasis on the ministry of the apostle. Uh, this is part of the five-fold ministry that I'll be breaking down but I wanted to concentrate on the apostle specifically because this is something that I believe is not really mentioned a, a great deal. Nor do I see a great deal of this in throughout the body of Christ in in my limited uh, vantage point or viewpoint. And it's it's part of the fivefold ministry. So I wanted to you know kind of dig a little bit deeper. And I also know. That there are camps, if you will, that believe that this was just for the time of Jesus or shortly thereafter, and it is not to be uh, touted or or you or it's not available today. And if it is, then it's a false ministry. And there are others who who would say otherwise. And you know, I I, I will say up front that uh, I I believe that this is a ministry. It's part of the fivefold ministry. It should be. Uh, uh, operating today. It should be in the churches today, and I believe that we would be better for it. Um, But I I wanted to, you know, kind of, as always, I always try to, you know, give you both points of view, or at least let you know that there are uh, other vantage points out there. But ultimately, this is really leading to maturity in Christ. And I'll see, you'll see, I'll break this down for you uh, as the Apostle Paul laid it out in, in the book of Ephesians. And and really, if you, so if you're following me on video, you see this uh, scripture up here now. And this is something that we're going to expand upon. We're going to go kind of a verse by verse uh, um, up through, I think, 16. But it begins with, so Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and the teachers. So we have these five ministry gifts. And I think pretty much most people would say, yeah, there's evangelists today, there's pastors today, there's teachers today. Uh but I think uh some people would hesitate when it comes to apostles and some would also hesitate when it comes to modern day prophets. So we're going to be breaking this down. This specific broadcast will be concentrating on the apostle, but I, I really think that this is this is very important to to understand and to see what's going on and are we operating in the fullness of what is available to us by Holy Spirit. Um let me pause, if if you don't mind, for a second. If you like information, if you could, please hit the like and the subscribe button that is coming across, or I, I say it's coming across. There's a graphic there, but you would have to, on whatever platform you're on, hit the like and the subscribe button. Comment if you have a comment, good or bad, doesn't matter. You know, let us know uh, what 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 your thoughts are, and you know, if you have some some interesting information that others could learn from and glean from, I'm all for it. Uh, so if you wouldn't mind, if, you, if you've if got something to say, by all means, do it. There's usually comments in YouTube and Russic Outlook and some of the other platforms, the podcast platforms, so please, by all means. And also, if you wouldn't mind, uh, check out the RusicOutlook.com and there's an email pop-up when you join or when you get on this site, and if you sign our email list, uh, we'll get you up-to-date to current information, new topics when they come out. As well as let you know about uh, our online Bible gatherings, where we have a few a month, uh, where we interact uh, th- through um, through online. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I guess that's a little bit of redundancy, so pardon me, uh, but you get the idea. So at any rate, that that's it. Uh, but so let's get into this. Let's get into the breakdown of the Apostle. Again, the overall theme is the fivefold ministry, but this specific one is breaking down the ministry of the apostle. So let me, as I said, I'm going to now go on from Ephesians 4:11 through 13, as I opened up. So Christ Himself gave the apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. And I give you the pause here. This is me. Why? Because the answer to why is is the following. Scripture, he answers it, to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. So there you have it. So these gifts are given to us for to the body so that we be we may be equipped to, To do our works of service and come into the fullness and the maturation of who we are in Christ Jesus. So, those are the reasons for the fivefold ministry. Maturation, I looked up the word, the definition. It is the emergence of personal and behavioral characteristics through growth processes. In other words, this does not happen or join to you all at once, this is an ongoing process. For those of you uh, who who have been around the word, or just, I you know most people, I think, you know the way I feel, and I know so many others do. The more you get to know the Lord, the more you you get to dig into the Word of God. The more you realize how little you know. In other words, it's just such a deep, vast, rich resource in in in, in your walk with Jesus that you know there you could just never you can you'll never arrive I don't believe until we see him uh in in heaven face to face and maybe then we'll come into who we are you know we'll understand a lot more let me let me put it that way so maturity is an ongoing process no matter where you are and even you know aside from uh from what we're talking about with Jesus maturity is still an ongoing process you know in our everyday lives whether it's our, our home life or with our children, our grandchildren, or, or, or work life, uh, you know, or, or, or social and our neighbors. It's, it's always an ongoing process, and we always learn, hopefully, from each other and from each other's walks. So let me continue here. So as I said, I'm going to now expand. We went up to verse 13. So if you're following me on video, now the yellow highlights. I continue. So as we, you know, reach the stature of the fullness of Christ, that we should no longer be children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the trickery of men and the cunning craftiness of deceitful plotting. But speaking the truth in love may grow up in all things into him who is the head Christ from, from whom the whole body joined and knit together by what every joint supplies According to the effective working by which every part does its share, causes growth of the body for the edifying of itself in love. Those are a lot of words, and as there's, you know, you can go on with sermons there if you wanted to very easily. But again, it it talks about the fullness and uh, of the body of Christ and how we're all have our you know important role in it, you know, whether you are the arm, the leg, the artery, the vein, the muscle, the tissue, the heel, the tendon, whatever it is, and I'm giving you, you know, the analogy of 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 a human body, but we all have this vital role to play. And if we're operating in the lane that God has gifted and blessed us in, then you know, as as we operate together, then we come into the fullness of who we are in Christ. So, you know, that's really what it's about. This is this is the aim you know for myself i believe that i am gifted and in, in what jesus enabled me to do is to teach and i believe that's one of the gifts that i i am to operate in which is why i'm doing what i'm doing because i i'm trying to teach and offer information that hopefully that you will and i know many of you have because you've written me such kind words that you know you've learned from you've grown from and and hopefully then you share with others and i in turn i tell you i learn from you and you know there's been many comments and stuff that that's been sent back and people have corrected me maybe where I where I was wrong or showed me some uh, another side of uh, of the bible or another side of some other books or information that I hadn't realized or I hadn't become aware of so you know this is what it's all about this is this is where we're, where you know where we're moving towards but so that's you know the 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 aim of the five whole ministry but now I want to break down into the gift of the apostle itself So, the official designation given to certain leading individuals in the New Testament churches. Questions concerning the origin, the function, and the history of the New Testament apostolate are much debated. I kind of alluded to that in the beginning. One cannot speak of anything like consensus of opinion uniting the various church traditions. So, where does it come from? The development of the term apostle was originally used describing a dispatch that was usually made by sea. It could also designate the thing that was sent out, like you're sending out a ship, you're sending out a messenger, you're sending out cargo. Uh, if you bre- bleh, break if you <laughs> break down the Greek, the uh, ap- apostolos, it is someone or something sent, derived from the verb to send out. In the New Testament, this usually refers to sent out as an authorized agent by Jesus or the Christian community. I'd give you the examples of Matthew ten two, Second Corinthians eight twenty three, or Hebrews three one, if you want to look that up. Those who are familiar with the gospel know that oftentimes Jesus would send out his apostles and and disciples out for certain missions, certain uh, appointments, and then that after the resurrection of the church, they they really, I think, um, it, it showed a great deal of strategy. And that strategy, whom was going to be sent out. Uh, who was the best to fill a certain position or role, uh, would, would be talked about and prayed about. And I guess that's probably the most important aspect is they engaged the Holy Spirit. They sought for the Holy Spirit to see how the how the church itself could grow, how it could develop. So now we're talking about uh, the bigger picture rather than the individual growth process. Now we're talking about the church body enlarging, enlarging, excuse me. Uh, So according to Mark and Luke, Jesus chose 12 disciples and he named them apostles. I see this in Mark 3.14, Luke 6.13. The textual evidence of Jesus naming his apostles is slim. The part of the Gospel of Mark that mentions the event, whom he also named apostles, is not found in earlier manuscripts, leaving Luke's Gospel as the only textual evidence of the 12 disciples being called apostles. So just... You know, right away there, we don't have a lot to glean from as far as Jesus using the word or the term. In the New Testament, apostle never refers to a dispatch or to an object being sent. Instead, it is sometimes employed to indicate a messenger. More often, it refers to a person sent out as an authorized agent, either of Jesus in the early missionary work or the distinguished congregation. I would, well, no, I'm not going to go there. Never mind. This may be related to the rabbinic use of emissary or sent one, which refers to someone who is authorized to act on behalf of another and represents the authority of that person. I give you many examples here: Matthew ten two, Mark three thirteen through twenty, Luke six twelve through sixteen, Acts one twelve through 1 Corinthians nine one through 1 Corinthians twelve twenty seven through thirty one. I don't, you know, it's I don't have the time and and I, you know, to break all that down, but you can rest assured they're there and please, by all means, look them up, uh, which is, you know, the reason I have it there for you. So it begins with Jesus. Jesus is our apostle and high priest. How do I know that? We're going to read the book of Hebrews three, uh, chapter three, verses one through six. It says, therefore, holy brothers and sisters who share in the heavenly calling, fix your thoughts on Jesus, whom we acknowledge as our apostle and high priest. That's where it starts. He was faithful to the one who appointed him, just as Moses was faithful in all of God's house. Let me just pause for a second. As we break this down, I think personally that Moses was a kind of a prototype of what an apostle would be. Uh, prior to the New Testament church, and by that I mean, if you think of him leading the the Hebrew nation out of Egypt and for forty years into the wilderness before they eventually uh, entered into the land of milk and honey, but he was leading them. He was depending upon it. He was designating elders. He was designating judges. He, he was operating a government, if you will. He oversaw everything, similar to what an apostle would who was overseeing, say, several churches or many churches. Uh, let me continue. Jesus has been found worthy of greater honor than Moses, just as the builder of a house has greater honor than the house itself. For every house is built by someone, but God is the builder of everything. Moses was faithful as a servant in all of God's house, Bearing witness to what uh, what would be spoken by God in the future, but Christ is faithful as the Son of over God's house, and we are his house if indeed we hold firmly to our confidence in the hope in which we glory. So Jesus as our apostle and high priest, but we are the body of Christ, we are the house of God because Holy Spirit lives and reigns in in, in us. Interestingly, uh, Jesus says to them in Matthew 9, nineteen twenty-eight. So Jesus says to them, "Assuredly, I say to you that in the regeneration, when the Son of Man sits on the throne of His glory, you who have followed Me will also sit on the twelve thrones, judging the twelve tribes of Israel." And you know, you you see a all, allusion to or allusion a alluding to that uh, in the 24 thrones, and I'm not going to go down there, which you have in in the book of revelation, but rest assured, we will see the 12 apostles sitting on thrones. Uh, and you know, that, that is the vision I I I'll say that John got, uh, but it was, you know, reinforced first, but by Jesus here and that they will judge the 12 tribes of Israel, because remember, uh, the 12 tribes of Israel, you know, that that was prior to the new covenant. So I wanted to break this down where we see uh, apostle or apostles in the term. Uh, and notice how most of this comes in, in Acts. But let me begin with 1 Corinthians twelve twenty-eight, And God has placed in the church, first of all, apostles, second prophets, third teachers, then miracles, then gifts of healing, of helping, of guidance, and of different kinds of tongues. So notice Paul here talks about three of the fivefold ministry gifts, but then he goes on to some of the supernatural gifts and then some of the natural gifts. So he's encompassing it all here, apostles, prophets, teachers. Then he talks about miracles and gifts of healing. So those are your supernatural gifts by Holy Spirit. Then he talks about some of the natural gifts of helping and of guidance. And then last, another supernatural gift, the different kinds of tongues. So, all different gifts offered by the Holy Spirit, uh, but he begins with apostles, but also for those of you who say that, that well the apostle the the ministry of the apostle was just for that time, then why does he go on afterwards and talk about gifts of healing and helping and guidance? Why are all those things which we know are are in motion today we know are active today, then why you know there there's nothing there that would suggest that you separate the apostles or the prophets, let's say, and welcome the others. Not, nothing that I see anyway. So let me continue. Acts one two until the day he was taken up to heaven, after giving instructions through his holy through the Holy Spirit to the apostles he had chosen. Acts two forty two, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. So here you have the apostles as the, as the leaders of the, of the early church after Jesus had resurrected, ascended to the throne. His Holy Spirit has been sent. So this is the birth of, of, of the church age, if you will. And the apostles are help orchestrating and leading a, a lot of this. Uh, Acts 4, they were greatly disturbed because the apostles were teaching the people proclaiming in Jesus the resurrection of the dead. And this points to, you know, the, the Sanhedrin and the, uh, and the high priests of the day because they were muscling in, if you will, uh, um, on their territory. Uh, but they were teaching the resurrection of Jesus. They were teaching life after death. Uh, they were teaching life conquering death th- through salvation in Jesus acts four thirty three with great power, the apostles continued to testify to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and God's grace was so powerfully at work in them all. So we see this, and you know I, I guess what I'm emphasizing here is, and you'll see a lot more of this after the resurrection, and you know always being referred to as the apostles. So let me read something here that I, I kind of want to break this down. And this gets into um, why I believe, you know, there are modern day apostles. In Ephesians 2:20 20 through 22, the scripture declares that the church is built upon the foundation of the apostles and the, and the prophets, that Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone. Christ was the cornerstone then just as he is today. Apostles and prophets were the foundation then, just as modern-day apostles and prophets are today. I recognize some may not believe that, but I, I personally do. This truth is underscored by the fact that God has given a primary foundational place in the church to the apostles and the prophets. Paul states that God has appointed in the church first apostles, second prophets, third teachers, then miracles, then gifts of healing, helps administration, various kinds of tongues, which we just read. While some want apostles to disappear, there is never a call for teachers or administrators to cease to exist. Apostles remain in God's plan until he comes again. Paul wrote in 1 Corinthians uh, about 55 or 56 AD, at least 20 years after the crucifixion and the resurrection. This could in no way refer to the original 12 apostles. There needs to be no doubt for anyone with an open mind that the gift of modern-day apostles is given to the church age. Paul offers further insight. By referring to this, when you read, you can understand my insight into the mystery of Christ, which in other generations was not made known to the sons of men as it has now been revealed to his holy apostles and prophets. Paul is saying there is a revelation that has been given now to his generation that was not given to the earlier generations. It was not given to the men of the Old Testament era. Rather, it was a fresh revelation and was received by the men in the current New Testament church age. What was the insight to which Paul referred? It was the startling, even unthinkable idea to Jews that Gentiles could become part and parcel of the body of Christ and become equal heirs of the kingdom. For those of you you know, who were you know followers of Jesus this should be no big revelation but this was some of the uh challenges that Paul and others found when they were you know revealing to them that hey this is not just for for Jewish people or the Hebrews this was for all this was for the gentiles alike and that's you know so important that you had strong men and women of god who would lead and, and and proclaim the goodness of Jesus and the resurrection of Jesus and, you know, operate in their gifts as apostles. So I say, where are they in today's church? And because they're not limited to the 12, and I can even bear that out according to Scripture. Now, granted, the original 12 formed the prototype of this gift, but as the church expanded, and as I said, as you, as you kind of grew in Acts and beyond... Here are some examples. Matthias replaces Judas, Acts 1.26. Paul and Barnabas are added, Acts 14.14. 14. Apollos is added, 1 Corinthians 4, 6, and 9. Andronicus and Junia, Romans 16.7. James, half-brother of Jesus. He was a leader, Galatians 1.19. Keep in mind that he was not even a believer in his own half-brother as the Son of God until he saw the resurrected Jesus then he became apostle, he became leader of the New Testament church in Jerusalem, into the city that Jesus wept over, his half brother wound up leading the charge there. In Sylvanus and Timothy in First Thessalonians 1 1 and 2 6 and Epaphroditus, I believe I'm hopefully I'm pronouncing that right, in uh Philemon two twenty-five. So there you have many other examples of New Testament apostles operating in the gifts, well, well after the original twelve. So I'd like to break down something that I found very interesting, uh, looking at modern day apostles and why we don't see a lot of them in the church today, and you know I, I you know I, I would say that that is to the church's detriment. And, you know, why that is, you know, I'll, I'll, you know, I can leave that for another day or you can contemplate it. But I found a very interesting book by Joseph Matera and it is called the, the, the uh, well, this, I'm not sure if that's the name of it, but this is the breakdown of what he would um, call the uh, apostolic versus the pastoral preaching model. Uh, these are general principles, some are overstatements regarding the two perspectives, I'm not going to read them all but I there's there's some that I want to kind of break down where you can differentiate for those who may not have experience, you know, an apostle or really understand that office because it's not in a lot of churches. Uh, so the pastoral is aspect of it is preaching and therapeutic. The apostolic it emphasizes personal commitment in spite of how we feel. Whereas the pastor would be a little bit more sensitive to your, your, your feelings, if you would. Uh, the pastor em- emphasizes inward health. The apostolic preaching emphasizes external tasks. They, they kind of oversee the things that need to get done to accomplish the overall mission and goal. Uh, the pastoral preaching emphasizes our call to understand our true self by contemplation. Apostolic preaching emphasizes our commission to make God known by the cultural penet- uh, penetration. So by that I mean it's it's more of a um, military strategy, if you will, to engage the culture, and you know here I sit in New York in America, and you know I've watched the uh, the culture um, like anybody else, and and it's not even in America; it's all around the world. Uh, you know where there is so many. Um, I'm I'm trying to be <laughs> I'm trying to be polite, but at at any rate i mean it's just, it's compromise it's you know christians in particular they compromise the word of god they they, they and and they're not fully engaged or aware of the battle uh, always and uh, and I'm, i don't mean to overgeneralize that but we are in a strategic war and satan is our enemy and he is you know moving on all different areas of culture and trying to take things down bit by bit piece by piece and it seems like it's accelerating, you know, to the point where today, you know, something can happen where you might have been floored five years ago, and then, you know, just as you're kind of astonished today, something else happens tomorrow, and then something different the next day. I mean, it's just happening so fast where the culture is being uh, run over, and, and, you know, you it's it goes back to, you know, what people will say that, you know, and people are calling what God calls good, evil, and evil good. And we see that throughout today. So, the apostle, what I'm getting at, according to Matera, and I would agree, is more about the cultural engagement. More, it's more of a strategic approach. Um, some people would look at what the Seven Mountain Strategy is. Uh, I think Lance Wellno is probably most famous for that, and there, there's been a few others. Um, but you know, the the areas, uh, I'm not sure if I can name them all. Let me think. Business, uh, media, church, uh, society, economy, uh, arts and entertainment. I think I named six. But there's seven out there. I apologize. But, you know, you get the idea. Whereas the apostle would say, would look at a church and say, okay, who's our business leaders? Are they engaged in, in 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 the business area. Who's our you know, do we have people in media and entertainment? Education, that was the last mountain. I'm sorry. Do we have somebody in in, in areas of education? Education today is is under a tremendous attack. I mean the things that they're they're teaching, they're trying to wipe away our history and and the things that they're they're pushing is is pretty outrageous. And I I am glad to see here I sit at the end of October in twenty twenty one um love seeing these 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 teachers and gathering and going to schools and the parent teachers associations and getting engaged and not standing by and letting their children just get shoved down some of this critical race theory and you know if if you ascribe to that then you know I don't mean to hurt anyone but you know that is just Judging people by their own skin and, and just, it's, it's, it's horrible, some of the things that are being done. But, you know, I'm kind of getting off track, but the apostle would be looking at more of the overall cultural approach. Do we have people strategically involved in cities and areas in these different mountains? Uh, pastoral preaching is essential for a healthy church, apostolic preaching is necessary for a Christ centered city. It's pretty dramatic. Uh, pastoral preaching aids us in self-discovery and recovery. Apostolic preaching promotes societal transformation. So hopefully, you know, you get the idea and, and it's a great book. If great read Joseph Matera, if you want, but in conclusion, this is basically it. The pastor is sent out to counsel the apostolic leader to conquer. Every person needs a pastor. All people groups need an apostle. Every pastor needs an apostolic leader. Every apostolic leader needs another one to pastor him. So, you know, pastors need pastors, if you will. And it leads me to where I want to go. Concluding with, does today's church operate with apostles? And I, I chose six at random. There's many more out there. You could choose that. Many believe are or were modern day apostles. Two of them are currently not, no longer with us. And I chose, if you're following me on video, I'm looking at, from left to right, John Lake, T.D. Jakes, Randy Clark. On the bottom, uh, David T. DeMola. Below him, Che On. And to the right of him, Guillermo Maldonado. Um, There are others out there. And and I'm going to point out some things that I think most people who recognize the gift of the apostle, the ministry of the apostle, recognize these six leaders as, as you know, modern day or at least 20th century apostles, 20th 21st century. Um, John Lake, okay, and so he was at the turn of the 19th into the 20th century. He raised over one million converts, 625 churches and 1,250 preachers in five years. So he has a tremendous ministry. I strongly advise looking his into his autobiography, it's fascinating. Uh, Maldonado, he has over 20,000 members of raised churches. He's down, I believe he operates out of South Florida. I believe in Miami. Uh, I won't swear to it. Uh, Clark, he was at the forefront of the global awakenings in Toronto for 12 and a half years, meeting six nights a week. Thousands of new churches came up out of that. It was a tremendous move of Holy Spirit and, you know, branched down to, to Florida um, but he he helped lead that and orchestrate that and develop more and more churches. Uh, many people might not be as familiar with David T. Demola. He was my first pastor. He passed away unfortunately a few years ago. Um, he read, led something that had a tremendous impact on my thinking, which was called IPMC or the International Pastors and Ministers Conference. Long story short, he gathered every year for four or five nights uh, in July. Um, ministers and and uh, people from all over the world. I think at one year, are we peaked at 162 nations, and probably close to all 50 states uh, represented as well. Um, but he he would gather these different leaders, and they and they could be missionaries, they could be ministers, they could be teachers, they could be business leaders, they could be arts and entertainment. He gathered them all in all the different gifts and areas to help edify and build up the church, equip the church. He, You know, he taught them, practi- not he himself, he brought in people to help teach practical things like, you know, the importance of accounting and accountability and prayer. Um, he also uh, built up Covenant Ministries International and Advanced Christian Training Schools. Um, I know many people looked at him as an apostle. He was my pastor, but I was... I I was really taken by the impact that I saw, I think, over seven years of of being a part of. And I was, you know, I was involved in, in these gatherings. And it just seeing how built up and strengthened the people were. And a lot of these, they would come from third world countries, missionaries who you know, I'm going to say 364 days a year or 360 days a year are are very much alone. You know, they may have their wife or their spouse, or maybe it's a a, a woman has their husband. I don't, you know, um, but but at any rate, you know, here they came, they got built up, and at and at the same time, they were able to share and and help build others up. There's a unique um, set of pressures to pastors. So when you see what I would say pastors ministering to pastors or an apostle ministering to pastors, there's a tremendous impact there. And there's a tremendous void that I saw that was filled in this when you gather these people and you equip these people. T.D. Jakes with the Potter's House has multiple church campuses. He has a tremendous impact around the world. I mean, you know, there's so many. I don't have all of his information but I can tell you whenever he speaks or comes around and you know he's and you know all of these people what they would do behind closed doors that we'll never know and only God knows how they help others how they help build up churches young ministers young uh young pastors and and or people operating in the different gifts whether it's a prophet a teacher an evangelist these are leaders strong men and women of God you know who are helping lead the charge. And then last, there's Che On. He started Her- Harvest Ministry International. He has over 25,000 affiliated ministries and organizations in over 65 nations. So these are some examples of, of you know, what what is, I'm, I'm choosing a half a dozen, but I believe it's prevalent. It exists today. It's in office today. And I think the church itself would be strengthened if we had more and, and a greater acceptance and understanding and of how this benefits the church, how it benefits the body. Um, and, and also, let me just kind of point out, with going back to IPMC. I recall many people would take their vacations that week because as these pastors and ministers came in, and we would, we, the church would fly them in, bring them in, pay for transportation, hotel, meals, everything. These people didn't have to pay for anything. Uh, and you can imagine if you 're coming as a missionary or somebody from an oppressed nation um, and then let me also All right. so when I was <laughs> finish my thought the 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 people who would volunteer they volunteered to serve, so if they took time off their vacation and to serve and to drive these pastors and ministers to and fro and to bring them in you know maybe into their homes and and you know put them up or you know feed them lunch dinner, breakfast. Um, so the body of Christ, again, was edified and strengthened through that. But the other thing that I wanted to point out, and it just occurred to me, was how important it is for uh, apostles to rise in certain areas of the world where we may not understand their pressures. And by that, I'm going to, how about churches in Iran, China, Afghanistan, other oppressed third world nations where the gospel is fought against and you know you 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 could be murdered for it um, we don't necessarily understand what they're dealing with specifically the challenges of engaging muslims and 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 others so if we had pastors rising in in some of the middle east countries and north african countries um, and into the office of the apostles to help Minister to these men and women according to their needs. So there's a void there, I believe. Uh, and, you know, that's just my two cents. As I say, always, it's, you know, this is my opinion. But I believe that we are strengthened and better off if we are operating with the, the ministry of the apostles. And, uh, you know, we are. I believe these are some legitimate examples that I'm showing you. And, and I believe you'll see more and more, hopefully, as, as we grow but to others who you know, would say that it shouldn't be operating or it doesn't operate today, uh, we can respectfully agree to disagree. So let me close by, as always, thanking you. Uh, I, I hope this helped give you a little bit more of an insight into the ministry and the office of the Apostle. Uh, and, and, and as always, please don't hesitate to email me with any questions or comments, suggestions. I'm always all ears, as well as prayer requests. And uh, again, for any of you who might be listening who do not know the Lord Jesus Christ, I implore you to please ask him into your heart, or if you're not even sure, ask him to make himself real and known to you, and I promise you he will. He never fails. Uh, So thank you again for listening. Uh, This is the Russick Outlook, and remember, as always, Just My Opinion.